0: Welcome to the truth in this art. I am your host, Rob Lee. You're, you're noble, you're your kind host, Rob Lee. I got to give myself all of these superlatives. <laughs> My next guest is a Baltimore County small business owner. Uh, they run a small business, a small online earring shop out of their home, making pieces out of real flowers and botanicals by preserving them in resin. Please welcome Milo Robinson. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Great energy. No. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I want to I, I want to um, start off by um, inviting you to tell the fine folks about yourself, introduce yourself. I mean, I'm given the copy and paste kind of like response and in introducing you. But um, could you introduce yourself and share share something that recently brought you joy?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, I'm Mila. Um I'm originally from, well, I was born in California, but I say I'm from Madison, Wisconsin. That's where I spent most of my youth. And I moved to Baltimore about five years ago. And I moved to the county six months ago. And I hate it. Don't move here. <laughs> um, yeah, I have two dogs. I have a cat. And I make all of my stuff in my house. And I ship out of my house and everything. Something that brought me joy recently. Um, with a friend of mine, I recently went back on a website that I went on when I was maybe five or six. It was one of my first websites, dressupgames.com. It's the best social media out there. There's no actual social media. That's why it's the best one. Um, and all you do is play with dolls online. Um, brought me a lot of joy recently to <laughs> feel that Y2K vibe.
0: That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's great. And you definitely aged yourself and now I feel like an old person. It's like, thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I was on the, you have to like turn the wheel to get the internet to yeah. internet and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Use it as a verb and a noun. Um, <laughs> so I read that you've always been crafty, You've always been a maker. So, um, how did you find your current creative niche?
1: Um, Yeah. So I have always been a maker. My mom is very creative. She knits, she crochets, she bakes, she does everything. Um, And she passed that down to me and my siblings also. Uh, When I first started dating my boyfriend, maybe like three some years ago, we would always do crafts together. That's just like one of the things that we did to spend time uh, with each other. And we were making shrinky dinks, which is like plastic that shrinks down. It's another like 90s fad (laughs) um and then we coated them in resin just like from a kit that we got at michael's um but then when the pandemic hit and we were just like looking for stuff to do or i was we were both separately looking for whatever we could do inside um it dawned on me that i could put resin and dried flowers together dried flowers from my mental health walks 2020 you know when you were allowed to go outside just a little bit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and I posted, um, I think I started with like 12 pairs of earrings or something like that. I posted on my Instagram story and I was like, would you buy these? And 99% of people said yes. So I'm, I made a post and I sold out and then I did it again and again and again and just didn't stop.
0: A little a little uh, social media listening there. Yeah, yeah I, see, I see what you did there. I see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my understanding is that you're... You, your work is more than just a craft. Like it's, I see messages in there. Um, there's elements of like uh printmaking, I suppose where I, I had a conversation with someone who was a printmaker and an art historian and they were talking about how printmaking was used and you have a message on there. Like sometimes it's just right there front and center. And mm-hmm. obviously I see messages on like different pieces that you've done. So how does your work comment on social political issues and ultimately what does your work aim to say at times?
1: So when I first started making, um, it was June 2020. Rough time. Uh,
0: <laughs> um, yeah, mm, you have some blackness. I have some blackness. So yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah.
1: It was a weird time to, you know, I don't know, a collective reckoning, but online. Ugh. <laughs> and also, I come from um, Wisconsin, which is a really white place. Uh, Madison is a very liberal place. I saw a lot of my peers posting stuff that I thought was crazy. (laughs) And, um, so I started posting too, and it reflected in my work too. One of the biggest reasons why I started was to have another set of income that I could redistribute out of. Um, it was my third job at the time. Now it's my only job. So it has shifted into in what it means to me as I've gotten more online, how much I want to share about what I personally believe and how much I want to share of my work. It's been a, it's been a balance. I don't, I don't know quite right now how they come together because I'm still figuring it out as I go into my second year of making and being an online person. That's like a non-answer. I don't
0: know. No, this, (laughs) this next one actually is very similar. This next question is very similar. So, uh, how is your work unique and truly your own? And how much of Maya is in the work? Like, in that obviously there's a message in some of your beliefs or what have you, and things of that nature that's that's there, but I use nature as like, is it like, hey, you know, I like this, and you said it's on some of your your, your walks or what have you. So how much of you goes into your work? And I guess for those who might not get it, what do people need to know about you to kind of better understand facets of the work that you're putting out?
1: How much of me is in my work? I think it varies day to day and I try not to have too much of myself in it. I'm a pretty sensitive person. So I would actually say that hundred percent of me is in it, but I try and remove myself from it a little bit because I get, I don't know. I get butt hurt sometimes. (laughs) um, If people don't like it, Mm-hmm. Is that weird? I don't know. I don't think it is. Okay.
0: <laughs> I mean, I when, when people are like, "Man, this episode got two downloads." I'm like, "Come <laughs>
1: on, man! Come, give me a couple more player." Right, but when just like that, too. for a while, you're like, "Oh, it was, it was nothing." I don't know.
0: Uh, that's absolutely what I said. <laughs> yeah. Ah, come on! <laughs> what do you mean? It's nothing. <laughs> oh, do tell. You know, it's like it's like pitch posh. You know, um, so. You you were touching on um, you're you're out there in Baltimore County. I like how you made that distinction because mm-hmm. the county and the city are two very different places. Oh, they're so different. So I would imagine you've you spent a fair amount of time in the city. You have lived in the city at a point. Mm-hmm. Um, so from your vantage point, you you know how Baltimore is described, and that's you know your assessment of that summer of 2020 with George Floyd and things that were happening. I had a bit of that in what I said uh, during Freddie Gray, mm-hmm. and uh, just people that I worked with, people that I was on a, in a podcast network with, they were just saying very spicy things, and it brought this this question to me: of Baltimore has a perception, and you're your person that moved in here, right? So, mm-hmm. one, it makes me question, like, so what did you what did you know about Baltimore before, like making that move here, and two how would you describe that real culture of the city as a person that lives here and as a person mm-hmm. that does work and creates here?
1: It's interesting. I mean, whew. so I moved to Baltimore and I had never been here. I moved here with an ex. Um, we didn't visit at all. <laughs> we just showed up one day and um, I, everyone I worked with like my jobs when I first came to Baltimore, they were like, why would you move here? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I like it. Um, I, I'm from a really, really white place, really God. So white. And, um, (laughs) I was like the only person of color. I was the only black person in all, almost all of my classes in the school until like the 10th grade. Um, and so when I first moved here, I was so taken aback with the amount of black and brown people in the city it really truly moved me and healed me in a way that I didn't think that was possible. Um, And then it's additionally weird thing that there are so many transplants in Baltimore who refuse to acknowledge that there are so many black and brown people here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find that really strange. I I find it really strange. And I find the conversation of city versus County of these neighborhoods versus those neighborhoods, ignoring Things that happen structurally in the city that um, people who come and live here participate yeah. in? I don't know.
0: So, I guess, in terms of, and, and, and thank you for that, because it's always interesting to. You learn what, when someone comes in here, it's like, what are you seeing, you know, and, and, and what's that vantage point? And it's my understanding with that Actually, you had that dartboard, and you were like, all right, let's just throw without looking. Oh, Baltimore, let's go there. Um, <laughs> and you survived, you're still here. Um, yeah. So what, what three words come to mind if you were to describe it, like what the real Baltimore experience has been for you? Like, you know, I've heard people throw out there, oh, it's gritty, it's versatile, <laughs> and, you know, it's so urbane. What what, what <laughs> words would you use? What words would you throw out there? Mm,
1: complicated, for one. Okay. Yeah. Cultured. And I feel like these words should have gone together and I'm just picking words from here. No, it's,
0: it's fine. It's, it's, <laughs> like you, it's like when you say, Hey, I'm going to Baltimore. It's like, ah, I know. that place. That's how
1: I do everything.
0: <laughs> I dig it. I dig it.
1: Um, And historic maybe. I don't know if that's, but yeah.
0: It's, a, it's an old city. And I, yeah, I, it's a
1: really old city. You can tell.
0: And we have museums here. Like, you know, yeah. I, I just did an interview not long ago with, uh, Anita from um, the Museum of Industry and seeing mm. like stuff that goes really far back and even like um, Evan with the salvage archaeology and doing the digging and things of that nature and seeing like Yo, that was a bottle from like 1801 or some, something like that. Yeah. And you know I think the the complicated thing is very true. The cultured thing is, is very true because we have a lot of different people with a lot of different backgrounds that come mm-hmm. here. And I think in doing this podcast, it's an effort to expose people to the makers, to the arts and cultural sector, here, to the small business owners here, and just people doing good stuff. And a lot of times that's left out of the conversation. So it's, it's interesting to hear, like, coming from, you know, BF Wisconsin, I'm sure you know what BF <laughs> stands for. Uh it could stand for a couple of things actually. <laughs> um, so I, w- I want to ask this one. Um, this is something I heard from a TED talk, and I'm not going to lie and say I didn't rip it off. I definitely ripped this off. Good. Do you think that human creativity matters? Definitely. Speak, say more on that.
1: So, people being creative, human creativity is in, yeah, people being creative. I think definitely. Um, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have creative outlets. I think I would go, I don't think I would be me at all um, without creative outlets. I think being creative is a way to, yeah, find yourself. Um, I think when you are able to be creative with another person, I think that's really special. Um, Yeah, I think that it's a really important thing in the human experience for sure.
0: I, I agree. Um, I, I think it adds seasoning to what the, yeah. what the experience is. Like <laughs> you get to meet interesting people, like through just is an extension of like this. Me doing something creative, you doing something creative. What we probably have met otherwise, I don't know. But at the same time, Baltimore's small. But at the same time, uh, I think being able to, com- to meet in this capacity and have a conversation about one's work and just inner musings about creativity and, and things of that nature, it leads to a, a much much more fulfilling conversation than, hey, your hair's that color. You got glasses on. I do too. Let's have a conversation. It's, right. it's, it's, it's weird. And I think definitely it adds seasoning. It's like, how'd you make that? Tell me more. People make that? Really? Mm-hmm. Um. So what draws you to, to the craft of, 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 like working with resin and working with like the real flowers? Like, and could you walk us through your process a little bit?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think a lot of people think that I work with flowers because they're very, I don't know, feminine or beautiful, or maybe those words come to mind. Um, but I actually love plants and flowers because of how resilient they are. I mean, I've had, I've been trying to grow my own plants or been interested in house plants for maybe five, six years. And I've had plants for that long. I've had plants throughout that entire time and they've survived, you know, depressive episodes and vacations and of mine, you know, as their caregiver and they're still alive and they're still growing and thriving. And I think that's cool. Um, my favorite flowers to pick and dry are often wildflowers because they're really strong. I mean, when they dry, they're really strong. Uh, a lot of those flowers, like I was trying orchids earlier. and um, I saw that, yeah. Th- they're so delicate that when you dry them, they just sort of like, I don't know, they're very beautiful. But, yeah, they don't have that same strength in them that a lot of those wildflowers do. So using resin is a way to preserve that, the essence of the flower that tries to grow. And then you get to wear it. I don't know. I think a lot of people do things with flowers that you don't get to wear, but Mm -hmm. wearing is sort of a whole point. That's exciting.
0: (laughs) I dig it. So how, how does that work? Do you go through the process of like picking of like, look, I'm going to go here and forage these wildflowers and cause I I know nothing about resin. (laughs) So just, just for, you know, for, 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 for um, simplicity's sake, like how would you go about it?
1: So resin is, it's basically a plastic that dries com- completely clear. People use it to refinish floors or countertops or things like that. It's um, it's used widely. Um, and it, the one that I use comes in two parts. You mix it and then it takes 24 hours to cure. So you can put anything in it basically that you want. Mm. Um, like I did shrink plastic before just to preserve it and give it a nice shine sure. but with the flowers then it kind of holds it um forever just in a little in a little earring or a guy or a, i don't know whatever you want to put it in um but the flowers have to be completely dry which does change their appearance which is why i like wildflowers um there's a lot of flowers who when they dry and when they're completely you know dead honestly because yeah. you're just sucking the life out of them um they look a lot different
0: so I'm, I'm getting some, it's giving Jurassic Park. Mine is yep. the mosquito. Yep. It's not amber, <laughs> but it's kind of, I dig it. I dig it. And um, yeah, I might I might be reaching out like, you I need a medallion. I need like a Jesus piece, right? <laughs> with a bunch of like, like orchids in it or something. Right. I'm going to say it just like that too. Um, <laughs> so and, and, do you use the term artist? Do you use the term maker? Um, Whichever one that you, you prefer, how do you look at generosity from, from that, that prism? And you touched on like being able to um, distribute some of the funds of, you know, what you're making. How do you, so, so tell me about that. Why was that important to you?
1: Mm. So I usually use the term maker. I don't, I don't often use the term artist. Um, I just think it implies something else. Not that I couldn't be viewed as art, but maker is usually what I use. (sighs) generosity I think in terms of redistributing funds I see that more of a duty is less of a generosity part I I think when you in terms of giving your money away I think that when you feel like you're being generous or you feel like you're giving something that you want something in return and I don't think that that's what mutual aid and redistribution is about um I think that with The usage of social media, I see a lot of artists being really generous in their process. Um, And I think that that's really cool. I think that when you can be generous of your process and those behind the scene things that maybe were more secretive or, I don't know, something that you would hide before social media. I think that being generous and showing how you do things that look really cool is one of the best ways that you can be generous to other people who are interested in what you make. Hmm.
0: I'm not being generous. I'm not showing anybody how to do any of my stuff. It's all for me. No, i kidding. <laughs> kidding. kidding. I give out a lot of my time and I like to help people. I always like to help people out. Um, especially when it comes to uh, folks get into podcasts and it's like, look, man, don't be met. Don't be ruining. Don't be making a podcast traffic jam with your whackness. Let me help you out. <laughs> That's what I say. That's exactly what I say. Um, so, besides being a maker, um, and, uh, how do you define your, your role in life? Like who, like who, who are you in, in like real life and, um, how important is like what you do in, in being the maker, having that as an outlet? Um, how's that reflected in your relationships and other areas of your life? How does being a, a maker, being a person that is creative, how does that impact other facets of your life? And yeah, I, I guess like, What's the life like in, in very general terms for, for you as a maker?
1: Hmm. Okay. So I used to feel like I was a creative person and I feel like I've kind of sold that part of myself when I turned it into a job. Um, and since going full time, which it's been about six months where I only rely on my business as my income, um, it's been really interesting trying to figure out what is going to bring me joy now that I have monetized this like one joy that I had. Um, But yeah, I'm a pet owner. I deal with my pets all the time. I got a pug like a year ago and I am so obsessed with him. It's embarrassing because (laughs) I was never a dog person. I used to hate dogs and um, like I have shirts with pugs on them now. Like who does that? Like that's, (laughs)
0: <laughs> Living that pug life, I guess. Oh god, that's
1: yeah. Wack, it, actually. That's exactly. pretty Exactly. And I if I saw a shirt that said that, I'd probably buy it. That's how how horrible it's become. That's
0: <laughs> because I'm Big Daddy Pun, I'm gonna throw this one in there. Just say no to Pugs. And 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 that's Oh,
1: no. yeah.
0: Yeah. See, that works. That actually oh, works.
1: That does work.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> See? Right there. Uh-huh. Marketing. <laughs> so pet owner, um, yeah. That's the thing. I I think when you get to a spot, because I think creatives, artists, makers, anything that's in that vein where you have something that you're you're putting your thought to, your creativity towards to produce something, even this to a degree, and I still kind of struggle with podcasting and storytelling and whatever, I try to maintain my weirdness and my uniqueness in it. And I think there are opportunities where people want to bottle it and reframe it. And I definitely feel what you're saying of like, "Ah, you monetize it. This brought me joy. Now it feels weird. Mm -hmm. So when someone's like, yeah, how can I pay you for this? It's like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do something different. And, you know, it might be, how can I do a different thing that's similar where it's like, okay, there's a market for this. Fine but the goofy stuff I still want to be able to do. Mm -hmm. So I think being able to separate things sometimes is great. So I, outside of this, I do a movie review podcast and it's a lot of fun and (laughs) there's no rules with it. And I can just, you know, there are some rules of good taste, but really there is no (laughs) rules and you know, if I want to like call something like super inappropriate, it's just like, look, this is what I'm seeing in the movie or quoting things from a movie. It's just like, It's the intent of describing the movie and the intent of having having fun with it. And it it enables me to still get the joy out of the medium of podcasting that I love. Mm. So, yeah, that's 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 my my hot take on it. Mm. Uh, So that's really all the actual questions that I have for you, the real ones. Cool. That's time to be weird. Um, So. I have I had like five because I've added two since you've been talking because okay. you've given me things to ask about now. Uh, so I got some rapid fire questions and you know how rapid fire questions work. Mm-hmm. So this is something I read. I'm hope hopefully I have the context right. What is your preferred way to eat refried beans?
1: Honestly, microwaved with cheese, but I will eat them. I've eaten them straight out of the can before, like in desperate times. I. I love refried beans. I've eaten them as my like safety meal for forever.
0: <laughs> that is gather around the campfire, boys. We're going to have some refried beans straight out of the can.
1: <laughs> right. And I'll take baked beans, black beans, whatever. Refried beans are the best. So.
0: <laughs> that's, that's a very Cali thing you said there, though, by the way. Shout out to San Diego. Um, right. <laughs> favorite 90s fad because you've made a couple references and you know now I need to ask this because Okay. Yeah, you've dated yourself and I need to know what your favorite 90s fad is.
1: Okay, well I was born in 96, so the amount of time that I was alive in the 90s is was, not much. I was 11 to be honest, but um I would say those there was this kind of top that kind of like scrunched it was like miniature and then when you put it on it kind of I had a couple tops like that. And I had a scarf that was like a tube and you would, I would wiggle in it. I don't know. A lot of the the clothes from the nineties were really creative in texture and in shape in ways that clothes aren't now, or maybe I was just a kid. So the difference between adult clothes and kids clothes are really glaringly obvious to me. That
0: was was great. It's like, just wiggled it. It was like, why are you moving? Like it's like, are you okay over there? That was great um okay this this one is a weird one i'm trying i'm trying this one out now i think it's a good one um what is your preferred mode of showing appreciation is it a clap a snap or a whistle uh
1: like a kind of a corny thumbs up
0: you like to do a corny thumbs up yeah nice (laughs) nice i I say brava i say brava to that oh i Uh, like that yeah, yeah i say hip hip and i would hope someone behind me says hooray
1: I love that. It's yeah. to the point where I would thumbs up something. No one can even see me. Like I'm just, that's good. Seal of approval. It's
0: <laughs> <That's> ridiculous. <laughs> you're, you're a character. Okay. Points, points to you. Uh, last two. Um, so when you're working, when you're, you're, you're resonating it out, mm-hmm. that's a weird way to put that. No, uh, yeah, that's
1: what I do. That's my job.
0: It, it, are you uh, listening to music, podcasts, silence? What what's what's in the ear holes? What's in the earwaves as it were?
1: Um, I listen to TV. Uh, Spotify rap came out. I want, I don't know, streaming Wrapped, Netflix, Hulu. I want it all. I want to know what I've been watching because it's just trash. I know it is. You know, I look for my credentials for a show that I'm going to listen to while I work. Sure. It has to have more than five seasons. Um, I don't need to know what the characters look like at all. I don't want any long shots of people because I'm not looking. Like I need only talking. So Those are my credentials. <laughs> For what I'm gonna listen to, yeah, when I work. Nice. When I,
0: <laughs> when I was going back through and prepping and adding different tweaks to these questions, I was looking at this. Shows you what type of derelict I am. I was looking at a show from 1992 or 93. It's Canadian and mm-hmm. it features a detective who is also a vampire who can only go investigate crimes at night. Mm-hmm. It's called Forever Night.
1: I love What's it, up? and I'll watch it too.
0: It's on Tubi. You should watch
1: okay. it. Okay, I, I will.
0: There are three seasons though, only three seasons.
1: That's okay. I've got time.
0: But yeah, it's uh I remember as a kid, I used to be scared of it. Now I'm like, yo, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last last question I got for you. Um I think we all have it. We all have it, uh, one of these things that we apply to our day-to-day, whether it be um, navigating the world as like a regular person, navigating the world as creative as a business owner, whatever. Um, what is your golden rule?
1: Golden rule? Yeah. Just do it.
0: All right, Nike. <laughs> You're going <get> to <laughs> get sued for that one.
1: <laughs> What's my golden rule? I don't know. The golden rule that they taught us in school was treat people how you want to be treated, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that applies to... I think mine is go with the flow. I don't know. Something corny.
0: Well, I can go with corny. Corny's good. Corny's not bad. So that's it that's all the questions that i have for you all together everything is done so with that i want to one thank you for being on this podcast and two i want to invite you and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to find you and your work
1: oh okay so i'm mostly on instagram at myla makes stuff uh i post mostly on my stories i don't believe in posting to the feed which maybe is I don't know. But uh, I have a website, mylomakes.com, and I'm often in person and will be as the weather gets warmer um, at in-person events and markets and things like that. That's where you can find me.
0: So there you have it, folks. I want to, again, thank Mila Robinson for coming on to the podcast. And I'm saying that I'm Rob Lee, and there's art in and around things in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.